your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. To quote Rick Pitino or something close to Rick Pitino once said, uh, Michael Jordan not walking through that door. Kobe Bryant not walking through that door. Vince Carter not walking through that door. All the greats who have made All-Star Weekend um, and, and made it the spectacle that it was not walking through that door if you watched on this weekend past the insane in uh, Salt Lake City. I'm EJ Stewart. Uh, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, an Odyssey original, a WFN original. I'm EJ, joined by Tommy Beer. We'll be talking about uh, the All-Star Weekend that was, eh, I think is the best way to put it, uh, a, a game that was really uncompetitive, a game that was, quite frankly, a bore for a lot of people. We'll talk about uh, if the game needs to be fixed, can it be fixed? Plenty of that discussion there. We'll also talk about the Knicks' performances in this game. We'll talk about Julius Randle uh, at the All-Star game on Sunday. We'll also talk about uh, him and Sims participating in the All-Star uh, Saturday night festivities. Randle in the three-point contest, Sims in the dunk contest. We'll give you guys a recap on how they did. And it is uh, another edition of This Week in Knicks History. And this is a very, very important week in Knicks history. It is essentially uh, 12 years since Carmelo Anthony was traded to the New York Knicks, a move that kind of cemented the Knicks' next era of basketball, an era that I think is still debated about and, um, and, and still controversial in regards to that trade and what happened afterwards and how we view the career of Carmelo Anthony in New York Knicks. So uh, considering I'm with my good buddy, Tommy Beer, I think that this will be a great conversation knowing that he knows the history of this team as well as anybody. So this should be an awesome one. Uh, Tommy, what's up, man? What's going on, my guy? Um, yes, if MJ did walk through that door or Colby or any of those dudes, I'm sure they would try, which is more than we can say for the, the guys on Sunday night who gave zero effort um, and, and what, quite frankly, was an embarrassment for the league. So, uh, yes, but they did give us something to talk about. And, um, yeah, man, it's the of the second half of the NBA season or yeah. actually the final quarter of the NBA season. Right. Next, there's 22 games left on the slate. Um, so uh, I think we have about uh, six weeks or so of very competitive, interesting games. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about the weekend that was. Yeah, we will talk about that. And remember, this is on your Blue Buzz New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey Original. You can catch these up episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service so you can uh, get these episodes whenever you drop. We drop three times a week, so this is the first one of this week. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find uh, not only the full episode, but also the segments of this show on our YouTube channel, which is the Odyssey Sports channel. So, Search Odyssey Sports, search Orange Blue Blood, you'll catch our videos there. So not only do you got the audio component, you also got the video component with us. So uh, really good stuff here, here at Odyssey and, and WFAN. And, and let's have this conversation regarding uh, the All-Star game. So the NBA capped off its All-Star weekend with an All-Star game that is being criticized for its lack of defense and effort. Team Giannis and Team LeBron squared up in Salt Lake City in Utah uh team John Giannis won 184-175 in this game that score already kind of telling you what kind of defense was being played uh Jason Tatum scored 55 points in the win he broke uh the record for the most points ever scored in an all-star game he won the Kobe Bryant award which is the 
uh, new All-Star Game MVP award that was uh, renamed a couple of years ago. Uh, Knicks representative, Julius Randle, he represented the Knicks in this one. He did play in this game. Uh, he scored 11 points for Team LeBron. Uh, and look, there were some different things that, that went into some of this uh, All-Star Game this season, particularly the All-Star Game draft, which we've had for the last uh, four or five seasons. It happened this time right before tip-off. Um, so there were players that were up on the stage, and then Giannis and LeBron were picking their teams right right, right before basically the game was about to be played. Uh, they announced the players. They picked the players. There was a national anthem and an Oak Canada song, and then they went out there and played. But um, the game, as I said, was not only criticized by fans, but even the participants and uh, and the players that, that played in this game talked about it not really being what it had to be. Jalen Brown called it a quote-unquote glorified layup line. Mike Ballone said it was, quote, the worst basketball game ever played. He was a coach in this game. He's a coach of the Denver Nuggets. Michael Malone there saying, worst basketball game ever played. So this was, I don't think, the kind of showcase the NBA wanted, but it is what they got. So I'll ask Tommy here, because there's been some conversation just on the on the surface of, should this even matter? Should we have an issue with the fact that it's an awesome game exhibition? Like, should we ask these guys to play ours? I'm going to ask you just on a basic level, though. I think we already know this answer given your earlier comments. Uh, do you have a problem? with the lack of defense that was played at the All-Star game on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And and just, you know, you mentioned the the national anthem and then the, uh, you know, then they played the game. But uh, as our guy, JJ, the producer, mentioned in our chat, there was a Post Malone concert before the that, game. That did and, happen too, yeah. And, and, and another 10 minutes of commercials. And it's one of my pet peeves in the NBA. I, don't, I think we probably mentioned it on the pod at some point um, over the past couple months. But the NBA's refusal to... Fans don't know when the game is going to start. You know, if it's yeah. on TNT, it'll probably start 15 minutes late. If it's in the ESPN game, it'll actually start on time. If it's a non-nationally televised game, it'll start around 12 minutes after uh, the, the scheduled start time. You know, but yeah. that's if it's at MSG. If it's in Atlanta, then it's nine minutes. Like, it shouldn't be that difficult to have a, you know, if the scheduled tip time is 7.30, start at 7.30. If you're going to yeah. start at 737, have the tip, you know, the MLB first pitch does that sometimes. NFL yeah. start, game started at one o'clock. You know when the game is going to start. Um, you know, uh, the World Cup, the biggest sporting event in the world. If it's going to start at 2.30 p.m. mountain time, it's that's when you know the game is going to start. So it's just, it, it, it is a, a, a major pet peeve of mine that the NBA still hasn't figured this out. Um, I know it frustrates fans. It's not a big deal, um, but it's something, you know, I guess the, the benefit is maybe they can sneak in an extra couple commercials um but yeah. I, I just think it's a it's a short-term uh fix for for a bigger issue just get that that sorted out um adam silver you, you've been you know you've been ahead of the game on a lot of things and you've improved the sport and improved the league in in, in a lot of ways um that's something i hope that you continue to do in the future um that out of the way um as it turns out the post malone concert was probably uh you know he moved around more than than most of the players you know defensively uh at least around <laughs> on stage and gave a you know an effort you know made yeah. it you know shook, shook hands with the, the folks in the crowd um that's <laughs> it, it yeah um the all-star game and again you know you're you're a bigger all-star game guy than, than i am um I, I never get too excited or too worked up about um the all-star teams or the guys nominated or, or the guys that the representative the fact that Jalen to you know basically to my point Jalen Brunson not being at that all-star game is a joke um I think Nick fans you know the the the, uh, the silver lining is 
He got a couple days off to rest, and I think he's going to carry that chip on his shoulder uh, for the yeah. following six weeks uh, as well. He should because uh, he, he he certainly earned the opportunity to be a representative All Star um, that first season. Um, as far as the game is concerned, yes. Um, and it's always been a joke. There's been very limited defense, but, you know, we saw with the Elam ending the last couple of years, um, there was competitiveness in the fourth quarter that yeah. went out, that went by the wayside this year. Um, and it's just, again, it's just a, a glorified, you know, layup line, you know, but, it, you know, somebody texted me. Um, it's like a, a combination of like a half, like a dunk contest and a three point shootout in the same game. But my point is like those, but it was, if that would be true, if the guys didn't care if they won the dunk contest or didn't care right. if they won the three-point shootout. Um, you know, every once in a while in games past, you'd have a guy shoot from half court or, you know, a guy gets hot, hits three threes in a row, then you then the crowd starts getting amped up, let him shoot four or five, or there's a one-on-one. Um, but, yeah, just from start to finish, um, you know, I, I think we kind of stuck with it, hoping that they would eventually ratchet up the intensity. Even, um, you know, and again, nobody wants them to play 100%. Nobody's right. asking forth playoff right. intensity but just at least try to stay in front of a guy and you know it, it do some along those lines um so yeah the game was boring um i thought this was a chance you know the first sunday without football and you know since september 1st or whatever um an opportunity for the league to kind of showcase their stars and they did anything but and i thought it was a you know laughable um you know kind of a disrespect to the fans just how how little did the players cared about that uh, performance yeah, I'm glad you kind of harping on the players because, look, I am rarely the guy who is the old man who yells at the cloud. I'm rarely the guy. And I think people, you who have been on the show and listened to this podcast enough know that I'm not the this generation of player can't do. I, I defend this generation player a lot. I defend this current day NBA a lot. That being said, I, I think that what happened on Sunday was a disgrace. Let's just be honest. I mean, we talk about all-star games in the past, and you're right. We're not saying that we want guys playing 100%. But I'm so glad apparently there are other all-star game fundamentalists out there that aren't just me because people are posting clips from 1993. Yeah. People posting clips from 2001. People yeah. posting clips from 1998. And you watch those games. There were files that I saw in the 1993, the last time the game was in Utah. There were files in that game that would have been called flagrant files in NBA regular season game this year. Like, I'm not like these guys were actually playing a real game. They were pl playing defense, playing hard. Uh, of course, they're not going out there clubbing people and they're not going out there trying to hurt anybody. But this generation of player annoyed me this weekend so much because, you know, between Kevin Durant talking about, well, you know, the fact that I did a trade request that uh, that helps take the helps the league is actually builds the excitement. And 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 a lot of the stuff we do hear from these guys and, and the adoration that they clamor for, that they say that the other players in the past got that they didn't get. Well, those other players who make way less money, who had way much, way less, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, pr preparation in terms of how they got to prepare their bodies, the medical advancements from then to now, like without all that stuff, those guys gave us competent All Star games, games that we could at least watch and enjoy. And these players today want that same adoration and don't want to do any of that work. They don't want to do the dunk contest. They don't want to just just stay in front of a man in an all-star game because, oh, well, I might get hurt. It's like, guys, like, are you guys that soft? Are you guys that soft? I'm not talking about, again, go out there and, and do something stupid and risk your life. But you're playing a basketball game. 
I mean, if, if, if really just staying in front of a man playing defense is that much to ask and that is that big a risk that you could get hurt, then why are we playing an all-star game? Like, I watched that game on Sunday and thought, this is the beginning of the end of this game because you can't put that product out year in and year out. Like, I don't know if you saw Tommy, but in the first quarter, they had, or it might be in the early, early second quarter, I think. At some point, Adam Silver is sitting right next to a man that many people won't be familiar with. I am extremely familiar with him because I host the New Generation Hero Talk podcast where we talk about superheroes every week. He was sitting next to David Zaslav, who is the head of Warner Brothers CEO, What Warner Brothers Discovery. He's the CEO. He is essentially the man that's going to be negotiating the next NBA contract um, you know, for the next TV deal. TNT has those rights. We'll have to see whether or not they pick them up until after 2025. I know him well because he's also the head of DC Films, or at least he had to hire James Gunn and all those guys who now lead DC Films. And if you love superhero movies, you're very familiar with what David Zasloff has done. If you saw his face sitting next to Adam Silver, that was not a pleasant conversation. He looked like, this is what I'm paying for? And Adam Silver looked like he's trying to defend it. Like, yo, man, I know this is bad. We're going to try to figure it out. Like, he didn't look like a happy man. That's a guy who was cutting major budget motion picture movies for the sake of a tax break. You think that he's going to give the NBA tens of billions of dollars for guys who won't play in TNT national TV games on a regular season? And then for the All-Star game, they're going to put on that performance? I, I'm telling you, this this is this is a lot bigger of a deal than I think people make it. And I think these players understand. Because at the end of the day, these guys are getting so much money and the, the game is so comfortable for them right now that they kind of think that these things that have been established as core elements of the sport kind of just are the what they are. They're too big to fail and it won't actually affect them. Trust me. It'll be very interesting to see what this next TV deal looks like. Everybody assumes, oh, they're going to get way more money. And they'll get some, they'll probably get more money just based off of inflation. But I would, re I really worry about just kind of continually uh, how much more you'll see these companies just throw out a bunch of money at these leagues and say, all right, it doesn't matter what crap you give us. We'll put it out there because we'll get enough bread. There are eyeballs who watch that and people who watch that and, and, and they turned off. Uh, I know I didn't, I didn't because I didn't have to do a show on WFAN, had to talk about this crap for three hours. But there are a lot of people who watch that and said, this is ridiculous. Why am I still watching this? And it's annoying because, again, it's like you guys want the same money. You guys want the same adoration. You guys want the same love. But then those guys played in all-star games, gave us effort. Those guys did dunk contests. Like they did things to help establish parts of the NBA that have now become near and dear to the same people that you want their adoration from. And you're not going to get it with this kind of nonsense. So I was, I was, I, I couldn't believe how bad that was. And I I thought, okay, maybe the first three quarters will be awful. And like it was, and it was, it honestly, it was even worse than it's been in past years, which is saying a lot. But then to get to that fourth quarter and to still see essentially no effort was unbelievable. Like I know Mike Malone credited Embiid and Kyrie Irving as two guys that were trying to, and I, I agreed with them. I thought both of those guys were kind of like, clearly playing like this is a game like hey maybe somebody will start playing if we start doing something and it just didn't work and they got jalen brown who's in the game saying it was a glorified layup line i'm like jalen brown why didn't you do something about it you were in the game like you were the one that was saying all right everybody clear out and stand on the sideline so me and jalen brown can have a one-on-one -on -one game for three possessions like you were in that game how come you didn't make any change i i i don't know i i think that this is this 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 was really bad and and i think it's sad because again 
I think that this was the beginning of the end of the NBA All-Star game being a thing. I think if you told me 10 years from now that this is just uh, an All-Star Saturday night and this game doesn't exist, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, let me agree with you first, and then I'll push back on two things. First, in the agreement, um, the effort level. Um, again, we're not asking for playoff level intensity. If you can practice, you know, I if I, I'll tell you one thing: if Julius Randle or any of the Knicks practice with the same level of effort that they did, you know, that the players in that game played Sunday night, they wouldn't play in the next. You know, like they just right, wouldn't yeah. have it. Any good coach worth his salt is not going to let guys step on their court and attempt to get better and practice, you know, get, get ready for an opponent, even if it's shelled, just the basic, you know, run through stuff. Um, even yeah. at a light jog, it's still more intensity. The, you know, the pickup games that these guys play in the summer at any of the big gyms in Manhattan, um, uh, out in LA, there's far more intensity. Again, guys aren't teeing up and slapping the floor and playing crazy defense, but they're trying to stop the other guy from scoring. And then, you know, maybe work on a few moves and in and out, some more, be more, a little more creative, a little bit more flashy than they might be um, in, in a regular season game. So that's the type of thing. And that's what we had seen in years past, five years ago. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, um, these guys competed. Let me push back against two things um, in terms of the all-star game and, or the, the and, and the terror and the, and how boring the all-star game was impacting future, um, you know, uh, national TV right sales. The NFL Pro Bowl, the NFL uh, All-Star Game, Pro Bowl game has been so bad for so long that they essentially did do away with it. I don't even know what yeah. they had. Flag football. It was a flag game. football game this year, yeah. You know, and just, and nobody's ever watched it. Nobody, and, and the NFL is still, throughout that time, up until today, um, you know, what the 19 most watched live broadcasts, you know, yeah. the top 100, like 97 of them are, are NFL games. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm, I'm sure Silver would mention that. Um, and I'm sure he's probably telling Zaslov, listen, look at our social media engagement levels and TikTok and Twitter. And the, the NBA is more than that. And, and live broadcasts um, in the streaming world continue to maintain value. So I'm not sure how much it will impact the negotiations, but it's, you know, I'll just mention that. Um, and the other thing I would push back against from a player's perspective, and a couple other people have brought this up, and this is what I was thinking um, on, on Sunday night. And, and I don't disagree with you that, that, that the game might go away. I was thinking put Jose Alvarado in the game or put some G leaguers in there that, that, because <laughs> right. you know, it would be more com a, a competitive game is more, is better than a, than a non, you know, good players playing c competitively is better than yeah. great players not competing. You know um, I was, I, you know, when I was waiting to play three on three at LA fitness yesterday, um, I, I'd rather watch those guys play um, than, than what we saw Sunday night. Um, but as far as the players, you know, in the, Defense of the players, and I, like you, I'm not this generation. You know, I wish it was. You right. know, they played hard, and they, you know, like because the, the people that say um, that the that today's players don't play defense or that they don't compete and uh, all those other things, I, I think it's it's a trash take. It's a lazy take. Um, yeah. and, and others have 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 made that point, and and will we've talked about it in the past. But um, I think the, the way I would defend the players too is. So much of social media content in general um, is we, we, we've become such a rings culture to the point. I think a lot of it has to do with the defense of 
those folks that say you, you know that that six uh, uh, Michael Jordan being six and zero in the finals against LeBron just getting to the finals somehow we've you know we equated that with the only thing that matters is postseason success and not even postseason success. Fine, you have to win the finals. Just getting there is not enough um, because right. people knock LeBron for getting to ten finals, which is ludicrous to me. The implication being he would be looked favorably more favorably if he had lost in the first round as opposed to get the NBA finals. You know, and so in other words, taking the 2007 Cavs with Jardunas Ilgauskas and Drew Gooden all the way to the finals and then getting dominated by the Spurs is a knock on LeBron's legacy as right. opposed to a notch in his belt. Um, but for whatever reason, we've arrived at the point where the only thing that matters is how well you play over, you know, seven game final series or for a six week stretch between the Eastern Conference finals and the and the NBA finals. We've devalued the regular season to such a point that why do we why are we surprised that players aren't motivated to play 82 games when they're told over and over and over and over and over again that it doesn't matter you know if, if the regular season doesn't matter we know the all-star game doesn't matter so i think it, you know it can be argued from a player perspective uh, you know if you gave them true serum you know subconsciously it, it leaks into how they prepare for each game each day um they understand that you know like they're going to be regarded legacy wise by how they perform over you know the six weeks in april so how they perform from october yeah. through you know th through march it essentially doesn't matter um and that's and that's you know and this and this is a byproduct sunday night i think was a byproduct of that mentality that's crept in and i've heard other people say that and i don't think that it's a terrible take but here's here's my pushback to that Michael Jordan jumping from the free throw line in the in uh, in uh, in 1998 in Seattle earlier, I think in 87, like that increased his legacy. Um, Kobe Bryant winning the dunk contest, Kobe Bryant going to, uh, you know, starting in his first All-Star game in 1998 against MJ, that increased their legacy. Hell, Charles Barkley has the cushy position he's got. He's got no rings. He's sitting right there and he's got no rings. He, he he did not have this uh this this idea that he can sit on and say why well, I have three or four championships and he's one of the if not the most highest paid sports commentator in all of America like there's too many examples and those guys obviously all played in all-star games and had their moments in these games uh Magic Johnson one of the greatest things about his his uh legacy is coming back from HIV playing in an all-star game hitting seven or eight threes in the fourth quarter like they're, like these guys, yes, the championships mattered, but there are other things about their legacies that also mattered, and some of that stuff involved All Star Weekend. So, like, I, like yes, we do uh, harping a lot on the rings, but I think it's disingenuous to think that there isn't anything else about some of these guys' careers that that uh, that that actually is it made them legends, that made them iconic. Like Jordan being. Uh, a slam dunk champion made him iconic just as uh, not just as much, but it added to the legacy with those championships. You know, Kobe Bryant being a slam dunk champion, being the youngest all-star game player ever to have the most all-star game MVPs at the point where they named the award after him. That adds to his legacy. Again, these guys think that that stuff does, they don't think that matters. But then when they get in these conversations of GOAT conversations, greatest player ever, they say, well, why I'm not in the same conversation. And yes, people may start with the rings, but it's that other stuff too. Like that other stuff, that those guys did that kind of helped move the game forward was important. And these guys don't take that. They take that for granted. 
is it the fans' fault that maybe our conversation hedges too much on rings? I mean, maybe, but I just think that if these guys had any sense, you would see. And I, I think anybody who, who understands this game looks at this and says, wow, like, you know, I don't know how many clips you see of Michael Jordan drumming from the free throw line. I don't know how many times I've seen Matt Johnson hitting those threes in 1990, uh, 91, 92. Like, like, like these are important moments to the league. And I, I just, like, yeah, we have rings culture, but I, I think these guys know better than that. If Trey, if Trey Murphy did the dunks, copy the dunks that Jordan did, do you think he'd get a 50 and do you think it would be recognized or celebrated the same way? You know what I'm saying? I just think like it's kind of right. it's been there, done that. It's just, you know, us as a consumer base have seen something. So they got to go above and beyond and, and do something crazy. You know, I and like even, you know, Tatum at 55 points on Sunday night. Nobody's going to remember that favorably because it was in a, a meaningless scrimmage. You know, so I understand your take. It, it certainly would mean more if it was in a competitive game. Um, and you're right. Isaiah, you know, um, magic hitting those threes over Isaiah Thomas is a great moment. Um, but, uh, you know, there, I guess there, you know, people just weigh the pros and cons and, and players do that. Um, so it, it makes for interesting, interesting debate. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Dr. J, you know, in the first dunk contest going back in, in his last dunk contest, I mean, there, I, I, this weekend means a lot more to the league than I think a lot of people understand. And it, it's meant so much to a lot of these players, individual legacies that maybe people realize and, you know, Yes, conversation is is hedged is is has been a lot on rings, but I think that if is Michael Jordan the exact same guy if he doesn't do any dunk contests, if he doesn't do anything in All Star Weekend, I don't know. Like I don't know if he's this athlete that is just this iconic, like Mike, uh, you know, you know the sneakers, all that stuff. Like that that was as important to his image as it was being the best player in the NBA. I don't I, that I don't disagree with, and it's a part of it is because there's no TikTok, there's no Twitter, there's no place to consume ten minute highlights because right, we right. weren't on a full, you know. Whereas a ten second highlights, and but to your point, I don't think Jordan sells as many shoes. I don't think the Air Jordan brand becomes as iconic. Right, it's not for the dunk contest and stuff like that. Yeah, and and then like again, I think about Magic and thinking about like uh, HIV awareness and him going out there in those games, like how much good did he do? playing in a game like that and playing the way he did and how much people learned that weekend. Like these things, again, these things matter. Like, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that like, you know, again, these are players, essentially my generation, I'm 31 years old. Like, and our generation gets crapped on about feeling like we had, we yeah. need to be, or we should be able to do less work and get the same amount of treatment, the same amount of love and same amount of money that other previous generations did. And I always fight back on that. But with this situation, with these players in the NBA, I feel like it's very, it's very like relevant. It's, it's, it's to me, it's very relevant. One last point before we move yeah. on to Saturday night, just Sunday night, and and the weekend as a whole that uh, the NBA deserves to be knocked for was having Carl Malone in the building, oh, yeah, and and basically oh. celebrating his presence. That is a disgusting job by the NBA. Should be ashamed of the way they handled that. Um, you know, to, to basically someone who when he the backstory, Carl Malone impregnated a thirteen year old girl. Um, you know, during his college days has been, in a, you know, has been, a, you know, uh, basically de detached himself from his children. He's been a deadbeat dad for most of his life. Um, so for the NBA to not only I understand it was in Utah um, and then you have the, cons the, the insane conspiracy theories that, that John Stockton has. Right. Yeah. 
um, which is in and of itself. But the to, to for those you know for Malone to judge the dunk contest Saturday night and then to be on a stage with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron um, on Sunday when they were celebrating uh, LeBron's passing the you know the passing Kareem as the all-time leading scorer. Terrible job by the NBA. They got to know better. Um, just uh, I, I I I was offended by by his presence there. Yeah, I mean, maybe they were catering to just that audience, you know, that was there. But I don't know who anybody who watched that, who understands Carl Malone's backstory, wanted to see him there. You know, like, I just, I, I don't understand it. And it was very weird how they all, all nobody really, I know he finally, someone during the weekend did a, a Q&A where they at least asked my body. He finally had to at least deny or say, I don't want to talk about that stuff. Right. But like to even just like go around like as if there's nothing weird about this guy was crazy, and he was like the unofficial MC yes. of All Star Weekend. It was it was it was bad. So it was it was not good. And they wouldn't have nobody would have said anything if he wasn't there. You know, it wasn't like it right. was a major story going into it. Or if, if somebody says something, the first thing that happens is the the next. If you tweet something, where's Carl Malone? The next comment under that tweet is, "Here's all you need to know about Carl Malone," and everybody gets period. It. Period. And if we're, if we're going to suspend Kyrie, and, and we're the last people to defend Kyrie, but of course, gonna suspend, yeah. Kyrie, you know, if you're going to suspend Kyrie for five games or so. Um, there, you have to also call into account, you know, Kareem's body work there, and it's uh, it's it's quite frankly uh, offensive. Yeah, I, I didn't like that, and I didn't like that they put Kareem and LeBron in that situation to have to, yeah. you know, Agreed. dap up yeah. Carl Malone and take the picture. Like it's just that was that was bad. So Sunday night, not not very fun. We did have All Star Weekend, which had its moments. First of all, shout out to Quentin Grimes who played on Friday in the uh, in the Rising Stars uh, Challenge. He played really well in those games, by the way. Um, he 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 he. I think if they would have won those that last game, he won MVP. Um, he really caught fire. And I think if you're a Knicks fan, maybe you hope he can take some of that hot shooting into this last quarter of the season. But the Knicks did come home empty-handed. He, they did not win, obviously, in the Rising Star Challenge with uh with, with Quentin Grimes. He didn't win the MVP of that. And then on Saturday night, you had Julius Randle uh, finishing seventh out of eight uh, in the three-point contest, much to the chagrin of Kaiden uh, Randle, his young son, who was uh, seen on camera crying as his dad was uh, missing the final shots. Uh, in that competition. And then you had uh, Jericho Sims, who finished third in the dunk contest. Uh, neither player for the Knicks qualified to enter the final round of those competitions. So not much from the Knicks uh, this weekend outside of Quentin Grimes' impressive performances on Friday. Dame Lillard won the three-point contest, which is a long time coming for him. He's been in that thing for, like, years, and he usually does poorly. So I guess finally he got one. So congrats to Dame Lillard. And Mac McClung, who was uh, not in the NBA when he was announced to enter into this dunk contest, he was in the G League, now on a two-way deal with the Philadelphia 76ers, he won the dunk contest. So let's start with the dunk contest and and, and Sims in particular, because, of course, this is a Knicks podcast. What did you think of Sims's performance? Because there was a lot of fans that were hopeful that maybe he can get this considering his great athleticism. Yeah. Uh, first, I thought the I was I thought I found the dunk contest very entertaining. I enjoyed the three-point contest. Um, even Friday night game, I, I thought was pretty cool. I liked the, they actually played with intensity. We saw the G League guys. Um, we saw Grimes, who not only, you know, scored a bunch of points, did so efficiently and put the clamps on Scoot Henderson. Um, yes, uh, did. Part of them. um so the, the, it was, there was a, you know, that, that those games I liked, maybe, maybe, you know, we talked about what could save the All-Star game, maybe that format where there's, you know, break them up into four teams and have them play, you know, to set game to 40. Um, I think with all that stuff will be explored, but I think that makes sense to start with that, with that as a, as a potential starting point, because it, it seemed to work well for, for the Friday nights, uh, the games on Friday night. 
um, the rookie sophomores and G League guys. Um, uh, as far as Sims goes on Saturday night, I think the things that kind of hurt him were the things that we thought that we suspected might going into the, the weekend. Right. You know, it just there's a so there's a showmanship involved in all this and i think you know the, the people around him you know the, the idea when he when he clipped the paper to the uh to the net made a lot of sense and in, in theory um but it's the way you present it's the way you you know get the crowd excited before you dunk it's your mannerisms it's your excitement it's your you know you just again it just there's people who are good players and then there are people who are great dunkers and mac mcclung is a great dunker um anybody who's had the yes, internet the, for the past five years knows this um since he was a junior in high school sophomore in high school um he's been you know thrown down incredible dunks um so uh, you know nobody was surprised that that i think people were surprised at how well he dunked or some people may not have has have been as familiar um like with who what he that, is yeah with who he is and what that kid can do um but yeah i, I thought trey murphy had some amazing dunks he did um you know so, some really good dunks Kenyon martin um you know wasn't great um but as far as sims goes i i thought you know like it, it, in a different you know you just look at the stills you know the pictures of his two arms you know in, in the honey pot um you know was impressive but again he's just not a guy if you if you don't practice those dunks on a consistent basis and and mac mcclung over the past few days had you know figured out his fine-tuned his routine but he had yeah. been doing those dunks for years and years and years and years and every time he goes into a gym somebody asks him to do something along those lines um whereas sims has never you know it's basically just been you know stand underneath the rim grab rebounds and we throw an alley-oop you'll get some cool dunks um right. but you know that that's basically what we saw from sims i don't think it was it was shocking yeah, I, yeah, I think that the Sims performance was unfortunately a little predictable. Yeah. Um, like you know, sometimes you can just judge book by his cover. And Sims, quiet, reserved guy, a uh, guy who's a great athlete, but maybe for an NBA dunk contest, maybe not best suited because of the showmanship aspect that needs to be in there, the creativity that needs to be in there. Yeah. First dunk, two arms in the rim. I think a, a good idea. I think a good first dunk. I, he didn't nail it because he didn't put both yeah. in immediately. So that kind of hurt him there. But you think, okay, you did that dunk. Now you got to go to something different. And he kind of go into a similar dunk or almost the exact same dunk on the second one where he puts his arm in the rim and then pulls out the the the, the 50 score in the envelope, which I was a little confused by that dunk because, like, I thought that when he did it, I was like, okay, maybe he's going to, like, put his arm in the rim and, like, pull it from, like, underneath the net, which actually would have been pretty impressive. But then he just grabbed it with the other hand. So I was just like, what was the point of the envelope? So – uh, you know, not it seemed a little half baked there, not necessarily the most creativity, and he didn't have a lot of energy involved. So, uh, good dunks, decent dunks. He didn't embarrass himself by any means, but not enough. And, and Mac McClung, uh, can't say enough about how awesome he was. And I'm glad the NBA put him in the dunk contest. Yes. I know that you know, Kevin Durant on the Cetera's podcast was like, What are we doing putting Mac McClung in the dunk contest? And to Kevin Durant's credit, he, he is trying to say, Hey, we need to get stars in there, and I agree with that. But if they didn't put Mac McClung in that contest, that would have been another probably mediocre dunk contest. Like Trey Murphy yep. did really well, but it yeah. wouldn't have been the second guy who would have been able to really compete with him probably. So we would have been disappointed again. So I'm really right. happy that the NBA said, all right, fine. If we can't get NBA players to do it, let's just find the best dunker who's NBA affiliated or close yep. to it that we can put in. And people forget, it's not the first time they did this. Because um, people keep saying it's the first time. Because Derek Jones who, you know, has been in the NBA a bunch of times now. Uh, he was a, almost essentially a G League player when he entered his own contest the first time around. Um, he's been on the Suns. He's been on the Heat. He's played on a bunch of teams. Like, 
Uh, he played like only like three or four games in the NBA, but he is known as a dunker. Anybody who watched their Jones clips knows that he's kind of like a Mac McConnell. There are a lot of these high school kids who kind of got on just because they're incredible dunkers and you can go on YouTube and watch their high school mixtapes. So they put him in there too. That didn't work out quite as well the first time. He actually went, ended up winning it in later years. So the NBA has done this before where they get a guy who's like very much a fringe NBA player who gets in. But Dunk uh, McCone was great, you know, and, and the question becomes, did he actually save the dunk contest? Like, it, it's tough because I think he'll be great next year when he does it again because I'm sure he'll do it again. And the NBA will will beg some team to sign to two way so that they can make sure. That's definitely what happened. They definitely called all 30 NBA teams and said, hey, we got to get this guy a two-way deal. So he's not out there in a G League uniform in this yep. competition. So the Sixers did the, did the bid. So congrats to the Sixers. Now you have your, the first – a uh, sixer that won a slam dunk contest. People forget Dr. J didn't win a slam dunk contest as a sixer. He lost to Larry Nance in the first NBA one and an ABA one, of course, when he won. That was with the, uh, the New York Nets at that time. So Philly has a, a dunk contest guy. Uh, congrats to Mac McClung. Do you think we'll ever get stars back into this uh, slam dunk contest? I don't think so. I, again, I don't. I don't think there's a motivation. You know, it, it, it's a motivation factor, um, especially with the you know the onset of social media. Um, John Morant doesn't you know doesn't need to do dunks in the dunk contest for people to know that he can fly. You know, he does them in games, That's and true. then we watch him. We watch him on social media that night and the next morning and the, and all the shows. Um, so I, I I don't think you know it, I don't know if his if it'll benefit him. Um, to the point, you know, it's kind of a pros and cons thing. It would raise his profile to a certain degree. Um, we saw Tatum win the All-Star MVP with his new shoes on. Um, yes. You know, that was kind of a cool subplot. Um, but again, you know, for a guy like John Morant, if he doesn't win the dunk contest, then it's a, then then that's the story. You know, like you claim you're this great dunker. Um, I'm sure that's factored into LeBron and other guys. Um, it's basically a lose-lose situation. If you win, it's because, you know, well, of course, you, you have to win. You, you have no choice. Right. And if you lose, then you let it somebody named Trey Murphy beat you or Mac McClung um, who, right. who people hadn't heard of. Um, so I just, I just don't know. I'm, and there will be stars. I'm sure we'll get a, you know, a couple guys spliced in. We we've seen in the past, you know, Blake Griffin was an all-star, um, yep. you know, uh, um, Zach Levine. Was, Howard, you know, Zach yeah. Levine yeah. 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 So yeah. You've seen some guys that um, maybe not, uh, you know, top five, top three players in the NBA. Um, but uh, you know, up in that, you know, top 15, top 20 class, all NBA caliber players. Um, so I think you'll you'll get those guys here and there, um, you know, going forward. Yeah, I I am hopeful that we will get. It, to me, I feel like it only takes one. Like I think yeah. once we get the one guy to do it, and I think somebody's gonna decide. You know what? I'm gonna do this because I, you know, for whatever reason, I think that you'll start to then trickle down and get some guys. Like it feels like the last four or five years, like you know, like you said before, like we've gotten pretty good players in dunk contests in the past. See, it feels like the last four or five years, they've really been just like purely guys or bench players or guys who are fringe rotation guys. Um, I, I think that there's a chance we can get back to getting some stars, or at least starting players. Like when I grew up, like it, like Jason Richardson won dunk contests. Like he was a good player. Like this is a guy who was a starting player who won a national championship in college. Like there was a time where like, okay, maybe it wasn't the superstars, but they were guys who you knew. Like you knew everybody who was in the dunk contest, Andre Iguodala, Nate Robinson. Like these are guys that you were familiar with. Um, may I've been a superstar, but at least they were familiar guys. It was unfortunate with uh, what happened on Saturday was while all those guys are great athletes, um, none of those guys are guys who are, you know, consistent role, no rotation guys, except for Trey Murphy, who does play consistently for the for the uh, for the Rocket or excuse me, for the Pelicans. Pelicans. But um, and but a lot of guys that people didn't know. So if we even get to those days where we can get 
starting caliber players in the, in, in the dunk contest, that'd be great. Um, but I think that there's a chance we'll get stars at some point. We're in a bad stretch right now. But I'm happy that Mac did what he did because there are some people who saying you need to kill a dunk contest. And I think that's going to happen now. Like, you know, he showed that there's still uh, a reason to watch, that there's a reason to uh, to pay attention to that. And that new dunks can be done. Like, every dunk that he did had some kind of unique variation that we had not seen before. And he said before dunk contest that I have dunks that nobody's seen. So I think that these guys got to get creative. And yep. I, I think also credit to the fans as well, who I think – not that Mac wasn't great, but I think they, they really did appreciate his creativity. Yeah. Like they weren't saying, oh, like jump over a car or put, right. light yourself on fire and do something like, like <laughs> he, he didn't have to pull out crazy gimmicks for people to like appreciate. Oh, wow. What he did was actually incredible. Yep. So um, credit to everybody kind of understanding that. And Trey Murphy, too. Well, yeah. like besides the Alvarado dunk, didn't really involve anything. It was just his right. athleticism, which is, as we learned, elite. I didn't realize he can it's get up like that. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, great performance by him. It was it was awesome to see uh, the dunk contest. Uh, and, and you know, unfortunately, Julius didn't do well in three point contest. I don't think anybody was too surprised by that. But again, shout out to the young, uh, the young QG Quentin Grimes for doing his thing on the uh, Rising Stars competition. So, as we move forward from All Star Weekend, let's take a look back as we do another edition of this week in Knicks history. And this is a powder keg potentially. Uh, for some Knicks fans when they talk about this. It was on this day, February 21st, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, that the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony. New York acquired Carmelo along with Chauncey Billups, Ronaldo Bachman, Anthony Carter, and Sheldon Williams in the trade. It eventually became a three-team trade that involved some other players that kind of didn't really matter. But um, but he was part of a three-team trade that involved the Knicks and the Nuggets. The Knicks uh, sent away Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, Raymond Felton, Timothy Mozgov, a 2014 first round pick, two second round pick swaps, and a 2016, excuse me, two second round picks and a 2016 uh, first round pick swap to the Nuggets. Um, and that was the trade between those two teams. The Knicks also sent Eddie Curry and, uh, and Anthony Randolph to the Minnesota Timberwolves in this deal. So Carmelo comes to the Knicks, a lot of hoopla. Hope that the Knicks will maybe get back to championship contention. He doesn't need to lead the Knicks to three straight playoff appearances in those first three years in New York, but they have just one uh, series win. He finishes as the Knicks' seventh all-time leading scorer. Um, so some success there, but also some 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 lean years. The Knicks uh, spent several years in the lottery in the last several years in New York. Meanwhile, for the Nuggets. Uh, at the, they also uh, did not make the playoffs in those three years after trading Carmelo Anthony between 2011 and 2013. Um, they oh, they made it past the first round. And that was it. They, excuse me, they got the first round, and that was it. They never made it past the second round. Uh, and then they began a five-year playoff drought. They would then return to the playoffs in 2019 and make it to the second round of the playoffs for the first time in years, uh, where they were led by point guard Jamal Murray, who – was drafted with the 2016 first-round pick that was swapped with the New York Knicks. So, with all that being said, if you can follow all that, it was a very complicated trade. Um, Tommy, as we sit here in 2023, 12 years later, were the Knicks right to make the Carmelo Anthony trade? Man, you talk about something that's been discussed over and over and over again by every Knicks fan. 
um, from 10 ways from here to Sunday. Um, and the, at the time, I thought it was the right trade. In retrospect, I still think it's the right move. Um, you know, I, again, I, it's one of those, you know, some trades are win-win. Some trades are lopsided for both teams. This is probably, you know, as close to a draw-draw as you're going to get. You know, the yeah. um, the Nuggets, you know, uh, you know, have Murray to show for it, but didn't have much postseason success. Um, with the Knicks in his final four years, I think it's, you know, the Knicks did not qualify for the playoffs. Um, they kind of rushed into signing Melo to a, you know, to a contract extension that, you know, that that wasn't a wise financial decision. Um, but, uh, you know, again, for his first three years in New York, people forget just how bad the Knicks were prior to to um, uh, Carmelo's arrival. I think, yeah. you know, and the people that knocked the trade in retrospect, you know, like they gave up too much. Listen, was Timofey Mozgov and Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari going to lead you to the finals? No. Um, those guys had respectable careers, but it wasn't like they gave up on a, you know, a, young Isaiah Thomas or, you know, some other star, uh, Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, 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 and, and, and the Knicks, you know, that, that 2013, you know, that 12, 13 season, um, the best season, um, you know, in, in recent franchise history, fortunately the Knicks are back kind of on the upswing. Um, yeah. you know, we obviously had the, the Jalen, um, the Julius Randall, all NBA, um, you know, year and the, and the playoff series against the Hawks. Now they're trending towards making the playoffs again with, with Jalen Brunson and Randall and, and a good solid young core there. Um, so there's a, a lot to like, but there was very lean years from the time Marbury left town up until Carmelo Anthony arrived. Then there were a lot of lean years um, following that. Um, so I think you have to give Carmelo a, a lot of credit for making the Knicks relevant, at least for a little while. Um, you know, that that's that's something that he that he earned, that he deserved. Um, there wasn't a lot of bright spots for the Knicks during that stretch. And he provided something for the fans to get excited about. OK, so was it the right trade? From, from my position, yes, but I'll use this with a major caveat or kind of asterisk. It was the right trade because Melo forced them to make the trade. So if people remember what happened during that time, it was very clear that he wanted out of Denver. He did it very respectfully, by the way. Um, but it was clear he wanted out. And essentially, the Nuggets decided, okay, because we don't have much leverage, because Carmelo's going to have his contract coming up, um, we kind of have to send them probably wherever he wants to go so he can sign the extension to that team. So Melo wanted the Knicks, but he wanted New York. So what he did was he essentially flirted with the Nets as well. And the Nets at that is actually kind of ironic. It feels like almost a it was almost deja vu of what happened with Kyrie and JD because the Nets were looked at as a team who like weren't that good, but like had like nice pieces like Brooke Lopez at that time, people thought was going to be a young all-star and they had uh, a package that definitely could get a guy like Carmelo Anthony. So Carmelo, instead of saying, look, I'm only going to sign an extension with the Knicks. You need to trade me essentially said, I'm willing to go to either team. And that kind of forced at that time, president Donnie Walsh's hand and Dolan Dolan got into the mix and said, you got to make this trade to say, okay, we cannot afford Carmelo Anthony to go to the Nets at that time, the New Jersey Nets, who were going to move to Brooklyn in a year or two. Um, we can't afford him to go there and sign an extension, and then we had a chance at Melo, and we blew it. We can't have that happen. So Melo, the Knicks had to make that trade, and they had to gut their roster, essentially. Knicks, at that, in that point in the season, they kind of were like the Knicks are this season. They had, like, one star in Amari Stoudemire and a, a bunch of young players that were – ascending guys look like they had a future they were playing good team basketball they had a good thing going and that was a super team era where players were taking less money in order to come together 
and uh and, and win championships. You saw that obviously with the Miami Heat. Melo, out of all those guys, was the only guy who was like, No, I need to get all the money I possibly can get. I need to sign this extension before this lockout happens, and I will sign it with the Nets if that means I get New York City. And it forced the Knicks hand. And what happened is he kind of cut his nose despite his face. Like he 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 demanded that he got that trade and he demanded that he got that money up front. And then the Knicks didn't have the resources to build the team around him. So when people say, well, why couldn't the Knicks build around him? Well, it's Carmelo Anthony's fault. If he would have just either told them, I'm only signing with the Knicks, so trade me to the Knicks, and therefore they could have took assets off the table to make that deal happen, or the Nuggets risked losing him for nothing, or just said, don't trade me anywhere, I'll play the season now, and I'll sign in free agency because the Knicks had cap space as well, people forget. The Knicks then could have used those other assets to then get another third star. Maybe they just maneuver the roster differently so that they had other pieces. Like this metal era, I think could have gone extremely differently had he just made one decision that would have required him to just not take as much money. And he didn't do that. What's amazing is like it, it, it nowadays looking back, it doesn't seem like crazy that an all-star got traded back at that point. There was, it was seemed like it was talked about for months ahead of time. And it we're still crazy. discussing it. And just yeah. this past trade deadline, we had three, eight time all-stars, Durant, Kyrie and Russell Westbrook no, no. traded within like 12 hours. And it was like, Oh, you know, business as usual, almost, you know? Um, yeah. But at that point, it just wasn't that, you know, this was, he was kind of a precursor. He was a, you know, before, before it was a fashionable thing to do. Um, yeah. You know, that's why it was so controversial because it just, it's something that we didn't have a lot of, you know, to weigh, you know, should a team give up all these assets for this one player and what makes, you know, um, it, it is. And, and to your point, um, had mellow and even even in terms of locking money before the the lockout you know getting a guaranteed yeah. contract he guaranteed he instead of giving himself a player option for that season in which he was traded if he had given himself uh you know in, instead of instead of giving himself the player option he wanted the guaranteed money yeah um, exactly if he had just not done that then he would have been a free agent the summer prior and yeah. it would have been instead of Bosch as the third banana with Wade and and LeBron it would have been mellow most likely who knows where they would have landed yeah um but all th- and and all four of those guys, including Bosch, would have been free agents. Obviously, they were all drafted for the first five picks with Darko um, that same summer. They all would have been free agents. And Melo, his career would look so different if he wins because he would have been alongside LeBron. That means he would have won a championship. And, you know, you talk about great players and legacy. And, you know, um, obviously, uh, Carmelo's career is looked at far differently if he has a title with LeBron. Yeah, and, and and I think that there's also a chance that, you know, if he goes into that free agency, maybe the Knicks end up signing Melo and Amari in that we, offseason. We, we, we saw Kyrie bring KD to Brooklyn. You know, KD right. wasn't going to Brooklyn if it wasn't for Kyrie. So Yeah, and then maybe this becomes this mega super, you know, super wars that happens in that summer of 2010 that was so anticipated. So a lot of things could have changed with Melo. You're right. The first contract, he he's extension he got, he didn't get the – the three plus one deal. He wanted yes. the full five year deal. Yes. Um, like there were a lot of things that four plus one in the five. It was a lot of things that happened with Melo. All of it came down to Melo wanting his money, yes. which yes. is understandable. We're in, a, yep. we're in a capitalist society. So yes. I, I, I understand it, but I'm just saying for Melo's basketball legacy yes. and for what his Nick legacy could have been, I, as a guy who grew up a Carmelo fan, he was my favorite athlete as a kid. Like, I just think like if he would have just, told them I'm only going to the Knicks or just uh, told them I'm going to free agency. I, I think, I think we're having an entirely different conversation about the Knicks franchise. I think they absolutely compete for championships. I think they go to more than just one series past the first round. I don't know if they win a title, but Melo was that good at that time. He, he yep. was that good 
that yep. he could have been the best player on the championship team, and it just didn't happen, impartially, I think, because of him. Last question before we get out of here, because it's a question that gets asked a lot with Melo and his legacy. Do you think his number should be retired at MSG? Uh, certainly worth worth the debate. Um, first thing, first and foremost, Carmelo Anthony is a first ballot Hall of Famer. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, Absolutely. You know, remember, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. Even if it was the NBA Hall of Fame, he'd still be a, a Hall of Famer. But it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. A championship as a freshman at Syracuse. Multiple um, uh, uh, Olympic gold medals. A fantastic scorer. Leading scorer on those Olympic teams. Um, and then you factor in his, his, his incredible production, especially on the offensive end, um, as a professional. Um, Carmelo is one of just five players in NBA history to average uh, 20 plus points per game in each of his first 14 seasons. The other four players in that club, Kareem, Shaq, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Um, LeBron, uh, Carmelo wasn't a great scorer. He was one of the greatest scorers in the history of the sport. Um, and, and to suggest otherwise is, is just not, not accurate. Um, right. Should he be, should his number get retired? I think it kind of, you know, comes down where you fall on the number retiring debate. Um, it's weird, but Carmelo actually played more games as a Nugget than he did as a Nick. Um, his, yeah. his his greatest team success was with the Nuggets by far. Um, Denver qualified for the postseason each of the seven seasons. Carmelo was in New York. We know about that Western that run to the Western Conference Finals. Um, uh, all that being said, is Carmelo's probably one of the ten greatest players to ever wear a Knicks uniform. So I don't have a problem with him being retired. I'm probably a little bit of a stickler or a hard grader, as Mike and the Mad Dog would say when it comes to retiring numbers. Yeah. I probably want a little more postseason success. Uh, I'd probably be a little more selective, make it a little bit harder club to get into. Um, but I'd have I'd have no problem with the with the Knicks retiring Melo's number. Yeah, I mean the Knicks have had a pretty it's a pretty selective class right now. I mean you're talking about Walt Frazier. Dick Barnett, Earl Monroe, Dick McGuire, Willis Reed, the Butcher, Bill uh, Bradley, and Ewing. Um, and Brett Holtzman, who doesn't have a number, but they retired. They acknowledge the 613 wins. But so many of those are skewed by the – I shouldn't say skewed, but it's because of those two titles. That's why there's, there's – Right, I was going to say, and I was, what I was going to say was that, like, besides Ewing and McGuire, all those guys have championships, and they all kind of played on the same teams. Yes. So besides that era of Knicks basketball, really no one else has that jersey retired. I have been – I, I, I'm someone who – Again, I criticize Melo's tenure as a Nick a lot. I am pro him getting his number retired. Um, I think when you think of this generation of Knicks basketball, by hook or crook, you think of Carmelo Anthony, and you do think of a lot of greatness that went with that. It wasn't necessarily a lot of wins, but a lot of points, a lot of uh, memorable nights at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I think that he shouldn't get it before Bernard King. Bernard King absolutely needs to get his number retired, and it's a shame that he hasn't. Um, maybe whenever Julius Randle's Nick career ends, and I'm not saying that it needs to end right now. I'm not yeah. trading him on this podcast. I'm just saying, whenever Julius Randle moves on, uh, and they have that 30 to retire, they should put up Bernard King. But I think that Mel, I'm fine with number seven going up there in Nick Raptors. I think that he uh, deserves that. Um, and I thought that he was classy, by the way, to come in and you know know that he couldn't wear 15, uh, which yeah. is retired for Earl Monroe. So I, I always think it's a fun conversation with the retirements with Carmelo because he'd be the guy who probably won the least of these guys that would be up there, Definitely. you know? Um, and there are some other guys, you know, guys played in the nineties, like the Celtics retire role players numbers, like, yep. you know, like John Starks, number is not retired. And some Oakley. people may say, should, should he have been retired considering how much winning they did in the nineties or Oakley, you know, 
or Charles Oakley, right? Which over James Dolan's dead body, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charles Oakley's number be retired at Madison Square Garden. The other, th- um, the other thing is, what yeah. are they going to, what are they going to do when Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle lead this Knicks team to a dynasty of like four titles? Of five years? Then do they, do they have two number thirties retire? That's that's a whole other, you know, predicament they'll be in, you know, in about ten years from now. Exactly, exactly. So. um Shout out to, to the great Carmelo Anthony again. I saw him when he arrived at, gar- at the Garden on Christmas, and he got a great standing ovation. I was one of them up cheering for him and, and giving him a standing ovation. So um, a crazy time that was in 2011 yes. when Melo was traded to the New York Knicks. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Orange and Blue Buzz podcast. Tommy, let the people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That'll do it for now. But I want you guys to uh, keep checking us out on Orange and Blue Buzz and our uh, Odyssey original, WFA original. You can catch all these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you get the auto-download feature so you can make sure you get these video episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube on the Odyssey Sports channel. We also do our video uh, segments as, long, as well as the full episode that gets put up there. So make sure you subscribe to the Odyssey Sports channel on YouTube. That's going to do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.